Hello, everyone, and welcome to UGA Sports Rumors versus Facts. I am Blaine Gilmer here with co-host Jed May. We're without Trent Smallwood tonight. He'll be back with us on next week, and we may have to adjust the schedule going forward for some things. Everybody's got everybody's got families. Everybody's got stuff going on, but uh, Jed and I are going to be here tonight to talk about this early signing period that Georgia has just completed. Some of the guys that are in the class uh, now of the class of 2022 and even uh, Jed some that have already showed up on campus and I know you wrote about that today so uh, while I'm tweeting this stuff out and getting everything going go ahead and tell these guys uh, some of the Bulldogs that are already on campus if they haven't seen that already today. Yeah tight end Oscar Delp showed up um, and is practicing the nylon he's from your state the nylon Morissette is there Michael Williams Jalen Walker Malachi Starks and a missing one. And there's uh, going to be Washington. Yeah, Cedric Washington, yeah, Washington. and, and there's going to be more too as as uh you know as thing as this thing goes on. I know Sh- uh, Sean Washington's going to show up at June set uh, or January seventh, uh, and then uh, I think Gunnar Stockton is already kind of in town, going to be uh making his practice debut tomorrow. So uh, there are some young bull- bulldogs already kind of getting uh, shuffled into the fold. There, as Kirby Smart said, it's really more uh, just kind of helping them get through practice with numbers and uh you know scout team and things like that which people don't think about you know but sometimes when you got some injuries in certain positions and stuff like that especially getting ready for these uh bowl practices jed it helps to have some fresh legs there to go on the scout look uh you know against you absolutely i mean the scout team i mean kirby smart and you know coordinator or limited time we get to talk to coordinators they talk about the importance of scout team you know all, all the time and the guys that have started down there and, you know, I've worked that way up. I and mean, how many times did we hear last year, oh, JT Daniels is working with the scout team. He's working with the scout team, giving us a look. Um, and another interesting thing, too, and, and I put this in the story I wrote, is a couple of these guys that are already practicing could, obviously, these coaches have more important things to worry about right now. But, like, you look at a guy like Malachi Starks. They're not going to be necessarily focused all on him, but depending on what he does this week, when spring rolls around, the staff could already have a jump start on, hey, you know, do we want to try him at star first or safety first or, you know, corner first? Like, could, could Malachi Starks get a look at receiver in these bowl practices on the scout team just, you know, for kicks? Maybe. So um, guys like that, especially, I think this helps just from a standpoint of getting a – I mean, it's basically an early jump start on spring practice for, for those kind of guys and getting their feet wet to college football and the routine and, and all that kind of stuff. So definitely going to benefit those guys that are able to get in town earlier than <laughs> earlier than early uh you know if it's early in release absolutely and like you said it, it, if it's just nothing more than just seeing the athleticism you know that they're going to be going up against on a day on a daily basis or getting to meet some of their future teammates starting to you know because kirby smart one thing he talked about with this team and one of the strengths of it jed is been the connection piece right those skull sessions early on things like that so the earlier you're able to start building some bonds with some guys some connections all that kind of stuff it's uh that that does nothing but benefit those guys so that is a component of it and georgia came in third in the rankings after the early signing period was completed with texas a&m putting together what looks to be a historic class not just uh for texas a&m this year but also just in, maybe an all-timer, Jed. I mean, they're really uh, putting that together some some numbers uh, over there, and, and uh, Jimbo Fisher, you know, riding that wave of that Alabama victory as as far as he can go for sure. Um, and then Alabama, of course, right there again. And and uh, Jed, one thing I was impressed with, you know, in terms of around the SEC and recruiting. 
Kentucky comes in with the number 10 class in the country, fourth in the SEC. Um, you know, it, it's the the level of competition. Georgia has to keep recruiting it the way they are because Kentucky's starting to recruit well. You see what Shane Beamer's uh, doing, going out and getting guys in the transfer portal like Spencer Rattler and, and, and the tight end from Oklahoma as well. So uh, Kirby Smart and his staff – always are going to stay on top of this recruiting and never never let up on it because they know that everybody else is fighting to get in the, those talented prospects as well. Absolutely. And, and Billy Napier, too. I mean, he showed, you know, what he could do in, in his limited time on the job of Florida, you know, getting Shamar James and and getting Kamari Wilson, who we all kind of thought was was going to end up at Georgia until pretty much, you know, last Wednesday. So they showed what they can do. Shane Beamer, like you said, is is doing some things at Kentucky. Like said, Mark Stoops has done an incredible job. The, the thing I think that's one of the thing the coaching jobs that I don't think gets talked enough about nationally just the job he's done making Kentucky into a perennial I mean there no one wants to play them ever I mean they're a really tough team they give everybody a game um they're physical they're I physical. mean yeah I mean it's it's like you talk about people talk about that Alabama effect and you play Alabama and then the next week you're, you're wore down and Kentucky obviously isn't Alabama when it comes to that but there's something to that um, just the physical toll that, that playing the Wildcats, Mark Stoops takes on you. So, um, but yeah, like you said, Kirby Smart's got to keep keep the train rolling. At you know, keep, keep it going full throttle because if he doesn't, there's all these other SEC schools. Not to mention, you know, the the two from out west that are going to be joining the league in a couple of years too. Absolutely. And before we get to our vault questions for tonight, and make sure if you're not a member of the vault, you're going to want to have everything as we get ready for uh, CFP. You know, playoff. Um, preparation, uh, get in there in the championship, especially if Georgia's able to, um, you know, there are seven, depending on where you're getting your number at right now, they're anywhere from a seven and a half to a nine point favorite out there uh, against Michigan. And if they are able to uh, cover that spread, do what they're supposed to do um, against a very, very good Michigan team, nobody says uh, they're overlooking them by any means. But if they're able to take care of business there, uh, you know, you're going to want to be a part of the, the vent and the vault as they get prepared for uh, Alabama, presumably in a national championship rematch. So uh, a lot to look forward to. Um, Jed, I, I jokingly put on there that uh, Daniel Jones has been sidelined for the rest of the year for the New York Giants. And if uh, if Jake Fromm is indeed named the starter, it looks like in two weeks it could be Jake, Fr Jake Fromm versus Justin Fields with the Giants take on the Bears in a couple of weeks. It'd be worth being a member of the event just to see that alone, uh, what that conversation would look like. You know, I've really been thinking lately that what our site needs is more quarterback conversation. I feel like that's a topic that really is kind of off the radar and swept under the rug when it comes to this team. Um, so that would be perfect, you know, get the conversations going on the event, I think. Yeah, I don't think it, the quarterback's talked about enough at all. <laughs> but um, w before we get into a vault, our vault questions, as I was saying, Jed, I do want to kind of talk about, okay, what Georgia got in this class. And I know we talked about it briefly with uh, Jim Donnan the other night. Roddy was on, things like that. But um, a lot of, you know, concerns uh, of maybe did we get – did Georgia get what they needed? That, a lot of people asking that question on the vault, you know. and I think when you have players that a lot was talked about in terms of, you know, what Georgia maybe didn't get new with Kamari Wilson going to Florida and things like that. But when you look at, when you look at safety, okay. Uh, when you, when you look at the safety position, um, I think that guys like Malachi Starks, uh, guys like um, Ja'Cory Thomas, extremely overlooked. 
Uh, Ja'Cory Thomas is a guy, Jed, that, you know, when he worked out for Georgia this summer, just blew him away. I mean, uh, Will Muschamp was there watching, and all of a sudden, you know, he was still in his uh, off-the-field role at this point, but he's there watching, and he sees something going on, and he he immediately goes and gets uh, Kirby Smart and is like, hey, we – we got something right here. We need to need to need to make a pressing matter here, and they end up offering him a scholarship. And uh, Corey Thomas had a great year for Boone Boone High School down there. Uh, did a lot on offense and defense, but two tremendous athletes coming in in this class, Jed, at the safety position: Ma- uh, Malachi Starks and Corey Thomas. Absolutely, and that goes back to what I was saying a minute ago. If Starks maybe gets a look somewhere, you wonder if the decision by Kamari Wilson to go to Florida changes maybe what the staff was thinking for Starks. Do they give him more of a look at safety? Do they start him at safety to begin with? The same with Corey Thomas. Do they, you know, look at him more at safety? Um, but both those guys, like you said, are, are very skilled athletes. Malachi Starks, I think, is one of the best athletes in this class. Um, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, he could end up getting at least some looks at receiver just with his pure athleticism and ball in his hands. Um, skills, he played quarterback, everybody knows, at Jefferson, uh, just up the road from Athens. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting how the secondary class shakes out. That's one th- I remember at the piece I wrote the other day, um, position targets to target, position groups to target in 2023. Safety was number one on the list, I think, just because this class doesn't have that one true safety. And Starks and, and or Thomas could both end up being very good safeties, but they're not true safeties, um, at least from high school. So, um, But we'll see. Who knows? I mean, they could, they could both end up being all SEC players at that position. You never know. Yeah, and when you talk about, they've also talked about uh, Julian Humphrey, who's now you know north north of six one, one hundred and eighty five pounds. They've talked about him being able to play all five different positions in that secondary, and he's a guy that has true four three speed, um, be able to move around. and And Kirby Smart set reiterated it again uh, in the um, you know in his press conference today when someone uh, asked a question about you know how do you handle the 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 when teams go tempo and when teams are doing RPOs and all the the you know intricacies of modern offenses and he's like you got to cover you got to mm-hmm. be able to cover man to man and that I think that's one thing that does intrigue people about this upcoming Alabama and Cincinnati matchup uh Jed is that they have Kobe Bryant and Sauce Gardner who are maybe the two best corners in the in the country I mean uh, Kobe Bryant won the Thorpe Award and many people thought that Sauce Gardner would win the Thorpe Award and at that over a thousand snaps in his career he's not given up a touchdown so it's going to be interesting to see um you know how uh, Cincinnati with the elite corners like that how they're able to match up with Alabama's receivers but that's what Georgia's trying to put together Jed with you know bringing in in this DB class Jacory Thomas Julian Humphrey Jaheim Singletary who I don't I feel like people you know <laughs> it goes highly overlooked that Georgia they just signed the number one co- uh, corner in the country and right. people don't seem to be talking about it nearly enough in my opinion Right. Listen, man, I, I employ the same strategy on Madden, right? Like you can't just have two outside corners that are good and then, you know, leave the rest chance. You got to have, because like you said, a lot of times you're having three defense, I mean, four defense, four, five, six defensive backs on the field at one time. And you got to be able to cover. I mean, that it's that simple. You got to be covered, be able to cover man to man. You got to play, you know, um, like matchup zone. You got to play straight zone. Like you got to, you got to be do all these different things at all these different positions, and you got to have guys that can do it. And when you sign a class like this, that's looks like the staff. When you look at how games are gone over the past couple of years, the Florida game last year, the Alabama, the first Alabama game this year. I mean, that when Georgia has been beaten 
over the past few years. It's the been coverage issues. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's been the the issue on this defense. Over the, I mean, I say issue, you know, in, in air quotes, but they've been gashed through the air at times. Um, I mean, that second quarter against Alabama, everyone was like looking around in the press box, like, what what is what what like, the Stephen just getting torched, and they just got exposed. Um, those issues could be fixed, you know, going to the next to the potential next championship rematch, and that's a a topic for the guys on the show tomorrow, but. Um, to wrap it up, yeah, it's like you said, they're trying to build a secondary that can cover, you know, at every position, safety, star, outside corner. Um, and, you know, a class like this goes a long way towards establishing that. Yeah, and then it, another guy that I think got – people aren't making a big enough deal of, Jed, you know, you have Brent Venables leave for Oklahoma, and then all of a sudden here comes Dalen Everett open, yeah. and Georgia did a good job of maintaining that relationship since early on in the summer, an official visit that he that he took, and then here comes, you know, uh, Everett as part of this class. And Everett, um, six foot two, 180 pounds, I mean, he's got length, Jed. He's able to – they could move him, you know, inside on a bigger body, uh, maybe a tight end, something like that to play man coverage with. Um, so, you know, he's a true corner, but he's got flexibility, and I think that's what Georgia achieved with these five guys, except maybe Jaheim Singletary, who is a guy who you – you probably want to put on an island and you know that that's that's going to be the guy that goes and covers the, the opposing team's number one receiver you've got other guys that i think can be used in various places and they can all really really run so i think that's a that's a big positive uh, elite defensive back recruiting for for georgia in this class and i think they've got to uh potentially add maybe one more, you know, in the portal uh, as, as things you know come that way after the college football playoff but Jed, in my opinion, one of the bigger uh, recruiting jobs may be, you know, can can Kirby Smart recruit like a Lewis scene maybe to come back for another year? You know, Lewis yeah. Lewis has got a, a family he's got to take care of and things like that. But if uh, if Lewis could be convinced maybe to come back for another year, it's, if it's guys like him, uh, guys on the edge like Nolan Smith, things like that, those those tend to be sometimes the biggest uh, recruiting jobs is recruiting the guys currently on your roster to to stay another year absolutely and and i you know there are obviously reasons outside of this but say georgia comes up short against michigan or or against you know alabama or cincinnati obviously that loss would be you know would crush the players and the staff but you know the the second this team gets back to athens kirby smart is going to be selling the lewis seams and then ones with hey we got unfinished business come back for another year we can get us over the top you know come back for another year and be a part of another dominant defense Lewis, come back and prove this secondary, you know, is better than, um, you know, the issues it's had at times. That would start, I mean, probably probably on the on the flight back from Indianapolis. Um, and we saw that in 2017 when, you know, Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle and, and all those guys came back for their senior year. And, and we all remember what that team did. So that's, like you said, those are some of the most re- important recruiting jobs. Um, and that, that's going to definitely keep, definitely going to keep the staff busy, um, you know, throughout January. And I feel like the the other thing that that Georgia, when they have been beaten over these last couple of seasons, it's been okay. Not only not able to cover, well, why are you not able to cover? Because you're not consistently able to get to the quarterback, right? You're not mm-hmm. able to get pressure without having to try to manufacture too much pressure. And Georgia goes out and they stock up on on guys on the edge this year, right? Uh, uh, C.J. Madden, who's more of a guy that I think is going to grow into that role over time. Uh, played some inside linebacker this year at at the for the state champion Cedar Grove Saints, uh, but now he's going to be moving outside. But you get two uh, 
bona fide five-star pure edge guys and Michael Williams and Marvin Jones that signed and then another one coming in February which I don't know if you saw the video on social media of Darius Smith going and doing a uh, uh, between his legs dunk uh, over there in the gym but just a freak athlete at six foot six 225 pounds already Georgia's loaded up on the edge in this class. Yeah, I'm telling y'all, telling y'all, telling y'all, watch Darius Smith because he is going to be a freak. Like you said, a video, Blaine, you mentioned him dunking out on down there at Appling County. The dude is a freak athlete. He's got he's long, he's rangy, he's super athletic, raw when it comes to you know the the technique and all that kind of stuff of an outside linebacker. But dude, I mean, he's got stuff you can't teach. I mean, I think we've said that every time we talked about him, and he could be. I mean, I don't know. Like you said, there's two bona fide five stars in Michael Williams and Marvin Jones, but he could grow into being just as much of a factor on the edge um, as those two guys easily if if he ends up putting it all together. Yeah, and and Marvin Jones and Michael Williams make no bones about it. Georgia's not, uh, you know, promising anybody playing time because that's not right. what Kirby Smart and his staff do. But they were definitely sold on opportunity. You know, yeah. there there will be opportunity there because you know uh, Adam Anderson looks like he he's never going to play. The Georgia Bulldogs again, you know, and then uh, Nolan Smith could be gone. Like we said, we don't know if he's coming back or not. Robert Bill done, uh, you know, so they're losing a lot there on the edge. And, you know, that that's going to be but they need more dynamic guys. And you got that combination of size and athleticism. We saw Michael Williams at the the rivals uh, five star challenge, um, you know, was very impressive there. Marvin Jones, when you watch his film. Uh, I just I can't get over the the closing speed, right? It's like he gets around the he's able to to maintain his bend and full speed, you know, go kind of running the loop, so to speak, around the tackle. But then once he gets there within proc, you know, closing proximity of the quarterback, it's almost like he hits another gear and mm-hmm. he he is attacking the ball as well, Jed. I mean, these it's amazing how refined some of these pass rushers are now. You see it in college and the NFL all the time where you know, they're they're immediately the hand is going for the football, right? Wherever it is on the quarterback. But now you at a program like American Heritage, where he's coached by uh, Pat Sertan, you know, senior, these guys are refined coming out of high school, and he's got the, the skills to make an immediate impact. Marvin Jones Jr. does for Georgia. Well, and you look at NFL teams. Um, yeah, th- often the three highest paid or three of the highest paid guys are the quarterback. Guy that protects the quarterback, left tackle, and the guy that goes and sacks the quarterback, either defensive end or outside linebacker, no matter who you're playing. And those are guys, um, Michael and Marvin, that look to be, I mean, those guys are critical, critical to destroy. Because, like we were just talking about, the coverage issues, part of that is you can't cover for six, seven seconds on every play. You got to have guys up front that can affect the quarterback. And those are two guys that, you know, will have every opportunity to come in here. Um, Michael is an early enrollee. I'm not positive if Marvin Jones is an early enrollee. Yeah, I, th- I think he's. I think he's going to end up showing up in in January. So, so uh, he'll uh, he'll end up end up being there. But I agree with you. And these are guys that are listed uh, respectively: Marvin Jones, six four, two forty two; Michael Williams, six five, uh, two fifty eight. These are guys who are SEC ready in terms of their bodies, right? There, it's not it's not like uh, much of the strength and development has to be there. It's just getting there, getting used to the the pace of college ball and uh, learning learning Georgia's system. Uh, so to speak there but two two exciting guys on the edge to to um, to be there now offensively I think Jed is where a lot of the concern is and we have questions over there at wide receiver uh, 
in the vault. When I say we, I'm saying we are getting inundated with questions mm-hmm. on the vault about uh, wide receiver recruiting. And we'll talk about that today. I actually had somebody, uh, you know, reach out to me today asking me a question about, um, you know, Cortez Hankton and asking about, you know, connections to LSU jobs and Texas jobs and things like that. And I'm like, well, uh, if that happens, I don't know what the reaction would be on the on the vault based on uh, based on the questions one way or the other. So um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how all of this stuff plays out. Um, all this stuff plays out over the next couple of months. But with that being said, Jed, we got a lot to uh, answer on uh, wide receivers, um, you know, some other offensive positions. So we're going to go ahead and get to our uh, questions here. If you'll read off this first one for us. It's from Riser. It says, outgoing to Clarence, good word, and portal notwithstanding, what do the coaches see as our big, biggest roster needs post-early signing day? Which of those needs do you project getting addressed in February versus the transfer portal? So when you talk about for the 2022 season, not for the 2023 class, but going into next year, I mean, Kirby Smart is adamant that the two positions that they don't have enough bodies at in my in his opinion and with with what they would like to have is just simply numbers they're they're below numbers at wide receiver and they're below numbers at defensive back right they 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 lost five guys to the pro ranks last year either through the draft or, or undrafted free agent and you know two of them made interceptions yesterday with Tyson Campbell and Eric Stokes I mean they're really really playing uh playing well imagine those guys had eligibility they could have came back for another year for georgia if they'd done that that would have been uh pretty crazy but i think those two positions are the ones that will get addressed eventually uh in in the portal um and and maybe i'm not sure that there's any guys out there left to take it either one of those positions on uh in february i think most of the february signing class jed will be um bigger guys whether it's offense uh offensive line defensive line edge position those type of guys on the in the in the trenches but i think going forward in the portal wide receiver and db are where georgia will address absolutely because like you said most of the guys at those positions are off the board the one name to sort of monitor is jacoby matthews the five-star safety but it doesn't really seem like georgia is a huge factor um there they've they're obviously doing their due diligence and all that kind of and thing. being out of louisiana it just right. even though even though georgia did uh pull uh sean sean washington and Make no mistake about it. I want before you know I cut you off even further there. I do want to let people know with Sean Washington, Florida and LSU both came heavy after him, especially late in the in the recruiting cycle. And Georgia was able to hold on to him. So a big recruiting win there. But yeah, Jed, go ahead and talk about uh, Jacoby and then and everything else uh, at wide receiver and DB. Yeah, just gonna say you know Jacoby. It's a name the staff will has been in contact with, um, and and will. I guess keep trying, but it doesn't seem especially likely there. And like I said, the other Georgia targets, it looks like it's Shamar Stewart and, and you know the Kristen Miller and, and those guys that are signing in February. So not not really either of those two positions. Um, so it'll be one of those things that'll be addressed in the portal as and you look to just because a guy doesn't end up transferring in, you know, January, February, March, it you know, they could still add guys later. I mean, Darian Kendrick and Arik Gilbert both. Um Yeah, in the summer. Yeah, I mean it was June first because it was my first day on the job. So this it can go pretty late towards the the beginning of the season when those guys end up coming in the transfer portal. So um, just because a guy doesn't end up coming in February or March doesn't mean the staff isn't and won't continue to you know scouring the portal for guys that think might fit the program. 
Yeah, and when it comes to Georgia, everybody needs to remember too, Jed, being in the college football playoff, it is obviously it's what you play for. It's what you want to do as a team, but it also delays your processes when it, when it comes to uh, coaches coming in and out, right? And also, except for in the uh, case of Dan Lanning, uh, but, but even him, he's going to be staying around. Um, mm-hmm. That means, why, you know, he's still there. He's still on staff, right? He's still, even though he's got one foot out the door to Oregon, he's still on staff. He's still getting uh, paid by the University of Georgia for his his remainder of his time there. So you can't really hire a uh, offensive or an outside linebacker coach on top of it. Well, same thing with the transfer portal. These a lot of these guys aren't going to leave, uh, even though if they know that they're they're heading out, they're gonna, they're you know leaving the program, Jed, because they got a chance to win a national championship ring. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, they mm-hmm. they're not going to you know give that up to to leave a couple weeks early. So I think you're going to see a lot of the uh, both coaching movement and both and transfer portal movement for Georgia when it comes to probably mid to late January, you'll see a wave of it. And I think it won't just be Georgia, you know, like you mentioned, Alabama, Cincinnati, Michigan, all of these teams that are still in it, even some guys, uh, you know, that are that are currently the some of the top FCS programs playing mm-hmm. in their playoffs and championships right now. There's a lot of pieces to still, uh, you know, to hit that portal that that are going to people are talking about Kayshawn Boutte whether he's going to uh, hit the portal or not for for LSU. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see who actually goes in. But I think middle to late January you're going to see a second wave in this transfer portal. Absolutely, because like you said, and even guys, I mean, as much as we won't want to say that you know the Rose Bowl and that type of thing, no matter that goes for those programs too. Um, you know, guys from those guys, you think those guys from Utah, the first Rose Bowl appearance in school history are, are bailing on the Rose Bowl? No, I'm not that, you know, that George is necessarily interested in anybody from Utah at the moment. But point being, a lot of this movement, everyone wants it to be now, 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 now. And I think with, with some of the guys that have gone in already, but I think a lot of this, most of this process isn't really going to get rolling until, um, you know, middle late January. Yeah, well, to your point, even if somebody's not, let's say somebody is does play for Utah and they're not necessarily uh, where they want to be on the depth chart, but they're second string, right, and not necessarily a starter somewhere, but playing in the Rose Bowl is is exposure, right? If they get a chance right. to go in that game, they scouts and a lot of eyeballs on them and things like that. So uh, people aren't going to forego those type of opportunities most of the time. Jed, uh, next question there. Yeah, from PA Dog 610, any surprise commits in the February signing period? So here's what I think you got to look out for. Uh, I think you, with, like I said, the portal is going to crank up middle to late January, right? And I think fe- the signing day is what, February 2nd, February 3rd, uh, er- early on. You need to pay attention to the names there because I don't think it'll be. Uh, I don't think it necessarily anybody's in danger right now of being forced out of this class or anything like that, but I think that there are uh, some cases where if the right names hit the portal, uh, there could be a change in what this class ends up looking like in February. You know, I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. I think it could be some 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 different names that are added to the roster. Yeah, because that's the thing. I mean, because it's going to be – this staff is going to work hard once these guys start hitting the portal like we've been talking about, middle, late January – to get them into that early signing period because the early, I mean, because like I mentioned a minute ago, guys can sign, you know, in the summer, but it's obviously an advantage for next season the sooner you get those guys in here. So um, it's going to be a flurry of action, you know, guys going in and guys coming out, guys leaving and coming in. Um, yeah. You know, and once 
once the season ends in the middle of January. Yeah, I agree. Now, you know, when you talk about uh, the Georgia class right now, there's plenty of speculation out there that uh, Ernest Green has signed a, a letter of intent. Uh, we're not going to uh, say, you know, one way or another, um, because the young man's going to be uh, at making an announcement. It's meant widely speculated that Georgia had a solid lead on him going into the signing period. So he'll be making an announcement, but uh, Jed, one person that did not sign his letter of intent that you got confirmation on today was uh, Kristen Miller. And you, you put that on the, on the vault today. Um, in terms of a surprise commit, it could be a surprise that Ohio state is, and we'll have a question on this. So you can just briefly touch on this, but Ohio state is, is really making a, uh, a push for, um, Kristen Miller out of Cedar Grove. Right. They've, they've been pushing hard and obviously it's, it's a win for them that he hasn't signed um, at this point because that's more time to keep recruiting him. And something I thought about today, and this is pure, I don't want to make it seem like I have sources on this and I just thought about it, you know, a little while ago, but obviously Dan Lanning was recruiting Kristen Miller at Georgia. I believe Blaine, correct me if I'm wrong. Oregon was in Kristen Miller's top four that he released. Yeah, I mean, it, so, he, they were they were all they were prominent for sure. Um, just the, that he's already got that relationship there, and I don't necessarily think he ends up there. But Dan Lang is, I'm sure, going to be giving him a call and pitching him to come out to Eugene. But, but yeah, um, I'm not. We're not sure um, if he's still committing publicly at the All American Bowl because that was the original plan to sign and publicly commit, or if he's going to be, you know, signing and committing all at the same time in February. But either way, yeah, that's a recruitment that is still very active and ongoing it looks like it's a georgia and ohio state battle yeah and uh so so lots of interest in there just the surprise of will Kristen miller announce at the uh all-american bowl in january or will he not um so let's move on to the next one here jed yeah jay doggy says what will fix the receiver recruiting issue simply putting out a more explosive offensive passing attack or does something else deter the blue chip prospects from coming to uga consistently so this question is asked about 7,000 times in different ways on the vault, and we love it because that's what it is. It's the passion, right? It's the passion of the, the Georgia fan base. It's what makes the, the vault and the vent a, a great community to be a part of. And uh, Jay Doggy is asking the question that everybody wants to know, what's pre preventing, you know, consistently? Georgia's pulled a guy like a George Pickens in, but what's consistently uh, been the separating factor between the Alabamas and even the Clemsons, when Clemson has been uh, dominant, you know, out there for the last few years, and that is the elite, you know, NFL major talent wide receivers, right? And and I don't want this to be a bash Georgia's current wide receiver session, Jed, because Georgia, in my opinion, has plenty of weapons on that offense. I mean, guys like Jermaine Burton, Kiaris Jackson, there is a ton of weapons, but – uh, what what is your opinion on that first? Do you think that it's uh, simply Georgia does not throw throw the ball enough? Georgia asks receivers to do too much in, in the in the blocking schemes on the run games. I mean, what is uh, not enough not enough targets? What is your uh, thoughts on why blue chip receivers don't seem to hit at at Georgia uh, sometimes? I mean, to be honest, I I, I think it's probably all of those factors come into play, but it's probably like a different thing for each guy. You know, some guy wants to go to a place where he wants the ball thrown his way 15 times a game. Great. You know, school A can be for that. 
somebody wants to go to a place where he's not going to block as much. Okay, school B can do that. I think, you know, there's certain things because, I mean, if you look at it, Georgia as a program, top program, recruited consistently, great facilities, all that kind of stuff. And receiver, because look at what Alabama signed. I mean, the receiver class that Alabama just signed is ridiculous. Yeah, even a, even a guy like a Kobe Prentice, who they just yeah. pulled in that was formerly committed to Maryland, and he comes into camp and just blows them away in Tuscaloosa. They offer him on site. He's going to end up being, uh, you know, one of the premier receivers in the in the entire in the entire class. I mean, uh, and right. that's a guy that they kind of found a diamond in the rough type deal. I mean, it's absurd, and I think. Honestly, what's good, what's going to have to happen is either I don't necessarily think the offense has to change, but I think you're either going to have to have a receiver start putting up because look at Brock Bowers, man. Like the tight end, it's working for the tight ends. I mean, the block, Brock Bowers is putting up crazy numbers this year, and I think a receiver is either going to have to start have a season or two where you put up numbers like that, or you have a receiver that develops in Athens and while he doesn't necessarily put up huge numbers gets developed into a first round draft pick and obviously you look at George Pickens could he be a first round draft pick uh, I don't know maybe not with the injury I mean sort of looked like he might have been on that track but you need a guy like that to at least be developed in Athens I think is the more you know logical because Kirby Smart it, at this point you know it this isn't doesn't look like an offense is going to throw the ball 45 times a game um well, they 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 did. They threw forty nine times <laughs> against Alabama, but the game they're uh, winning uh, didn't, didn't turn didn't turn out too well. Here here's kind of my view on on these wide receivers. I think a guy like a Jermaine Burton, there was as much as excitement. I remember when covering his recruitment, there was as much excitement out there about Jermaine Burton arriving on campus at Georgia. And you look at what he did his freshman year, he really excited, but he's been hurt. You know, he's mm -hmm. been hurt this year, hasn't been able to consistently stay on the field, stay in practice. Kiaris Jackson, and an electrifying receiver, he's consistently, you know, banged up and hurt, it seems like. George Pickens, Georgia's elite number one target torn ACL yeah, out for most of the out for most of the season. Um, I feel like there has been time after time where Georgia wide receivers have had the inability to stay healthy. Um, and I think, you know, people knock a, a lot and we're going to have a question on uh, here in just a minute about the um, inability to, to keep the same guys on the field and, and things like that. And we, you know, Georgia playing too many uh, receivers and the such and not letting guys get in a groove. I think, the 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 GPS numbers, the science, all that kind of stuff, the data that these coaches use, right? They know the 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 peak number of plays and reps and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think their the injury history plays into that too, Jed. And Arian Smith. I mean, that's Arian Smith. That's groundbreaking speed. And make no mistake, Blaine, you mentioned this a minute ago. Obviously, health is you know, you know the the huge caveat to all this. But Georgia has enough receiver talent on this team, I think, to win a national championship all things, everybody being healthy, I think. But that being said, they also don't have – the level of talent is not as where the Alabama – well, Alabama is. I mean, yeah. it's not even close. And It's again, not it's where one guy is, right? It's not like right. you take Jamison Williams, who was a transfer, a porter – right. Alabama, you, you take Jamison Williams off that team. You saw what happened. John Mechie's great receiver, but you saw what happened when he was the number one threat against Auburn. They were able to put Roger McCreary on him, lock him down, except for that two-point conversion there, of course, in overtime. And, uh, you know, that changes the game. That's what I think the Georgia fan base is, is craving is a guy who is that elite, you know, just break it 
long after the uh, do do something with it after the catch type receiver. Um, and I don't think George has had that in in quite a while. Even George Pickens is who's a phenomenal receiver, ridiculous athlete. He's more of okay. I'm going to win 50-50 balls. I'm going right. to be physical and use my body to to make plays that I shouldn't make. Um, but not a necessarily a dynamic elite speed guy like a like a Jamison Jamison Williams, right? Um, so I think that's what Georgia now they're they're trying to infuse speed even in this class, Jed. You got Cole Spear, a four three guy. You got uh, you know CJ CJ Smith who run a, a 10 to eight uh, one hundred meter um, that's coming off a of meniscus injury. So if he can be healthy, can Arian Smith be healthy? I mean they're they're trying to pump as much elite speed in the wide receiver room as possible. Lad McConkey, I mean, he, you know, he's not – maybe he's a maybe a 4-4 guy, a high 4-4, low 4-5, but he, you could, he couldn't play – you couldn't play tag with him in a phone booth, right? I mean, he's he's shifty side to side. So there's, there's elements there. Now can Georgia get the full potential out of A.D. Mitchell, right? Can they get the full potential out of, you know, coming in in this class, uh, a denial on Morissette who's a more physical, big-bodied type – receiver can Jermaine Burton become a bona fide guy if let's say George Pickens goes to the NFL can Jermaine Burton take that next step and be the a true bona fide number one guy that that stays healthy stays on the field and makes teams uh command double teams because there's one thing about Jermaine Burton he does have a little bit of, a bit of that in him where he can make a make a catch and then make people miss after after the catch yeah I think it's like you mentioned a minute ago how many times in the past four or five meetings between Georgia and Alabama has Alabama thrown a slant to a guy over the middle and he just, he blazes through the, I mean, Jalen Waddle in that 2018 SEC championship, mm-hmm. um, Jamison Williams the other day, like Georgia, like you said, Georgia doesn't really have that guy. Um, Cause George Pickens isn't the fastest dude in the world, especially not on, you know, a 70% rec- recovered ACL um, right now. So, Maybe Cole Spear develops in that guy. Maybe Lad McConkey continues developing into that guy for all we know. And you look at A.D. Mitchell, if Georgia develops A.D. Mitchell from the, the recruit he was into a you know a, a quality all-SEC player and, and higher draft pick, that could help recruiting down the line. But right now, it's definitely something that, whether it's the pitch, whether it's whatever it is, the receiver recruiting is definitely something Kirby Smart and company um, are going to be evaluating this offseason, I think. Well, you can say this, and it'll be absolute fact. If if they're healthy next year, Arian Smith and Chandler Smith on the field at the same time, there will be no faster wide receiver duo than that in the country, that, bar none. They'll be the two fastest wide receivers if they're able to play together at the same time and be healthy. So what Georgia uh, has to do is they have to be able to, one, I think, however they're going to address the quarterback situation in the offseason, whether Stetson Bennett returns, whether Stetson Bennett hangs it up and, and JT Daniels returns, whether it's, uh, you know, both guys decide to move on and or it's an open competition and Brock Vandergriff or Gunnar Stockton, whoever wins the job, they've got to get continuity with those guys early and just pray for health right as long as those guys can remain healthy you get the reps that you need in the summer my argument was that in 2020 if at the start of 2020 georgia i think was full scale i mean ready to turn this thing into a a passing uh a more passing heavy offense but then covid hit and you're not able to have a a full off season and all that kind of stuff and year one with with todd munkin 
uh, Dwan Mathis didn't work out. You know, you, you bring in Stetson Bennett. It's a different skill set. He was a first-time starter that year. You, people people think that they're frustrated with certain things that have happened this year. Stetson was learning entirely new in 2020, right? So bring uh, bring in a inexperienced former walk-on quarterback then. At least this year he's got some starting experience and game experience under his belt. So I think it's just been a as much as Georgia fans – probably do not want to hear it it's been bad luck with injuries it's been bad luck with how the timing of integrating Todd Munkin's offense has has come in uh to play and now Georgia has to figure out in 2022 and beyond okay who's going to be the guy at quarterback how is it going to look and then get that continuity and that 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 practice in Jed where you're able to consistently say I'm going to have faith that you know, I'm gonna hit. I'm gonna hit the top of my drop, and I know where my receiver is gonna be, and I'm gonna lay it out there and utilize that elite speed. Absolutely. And looking at, I mean, Denilo Morris sets here early. Um, guys like that, who could he work his way into things? I'm, you know, guys like that. I don't know. It's it's like you said, continuity is is so big between the receivers and and those guys. It's it's going to be something that's going to be worked on all offseason, especially going into you know year three of Todd Munkin. Presumably, um, presumably, yeah. presumably, you never, like, you never can yeah, take anything yeah. for granted. Now, you know, at yeah. LSU, contacting him, and supposedly uh, that they, they, there's been conflicting reports whether that offer was actually ever extended or not, or and how interested Munkin was in it. So, but like I said, we won't find out any of that kind of stuff. Whether some people are really actually wanting to come after a, a Todd Munkin uh, in, in that until after the the CFP is over with, right? So, right. Um, there'll be there'll be some key parts on that. Have a little shout out here from DeBusk. He said, "Fact: Recruiting never stops at UGA. Keep it up, guys. Uh, y'all do an awesome job. We appreciate that, DeBusk. Uh, we really do. Uh, it's not not easy sometimes, but we we enjoy covering it. The crazy world that is recruiting. Uh, Jed, what's our next one there? From Jason Seventeen. Do you think Arch Manning? I'm gonna have to you know look that kid up. I don't think we've ever heard of him. Um, <laughs> is, is the is best this? quarterback in 2023? Is this Manning you speak of? No, uh, no. I'm just. I think when you look at the entire package, right, and you look at what Arch is able to do mentally uh, with the poise, and he's probably the most athletic. I mean, you, you saw that the the game that Kirby Smart went and uh, watched Arch Manning in in New Orleans there at Isidore Newman. They were taking on a school from Tampa and uh, nationally televised game. And then Jed, here goes Arch Manning, which everybody assumes is going to be kind of like his. Uh, Uncle Peyton and uh, Uncle Eli, more pocket passer type guys, and he takes off on a on a power read uh, and pulls it and goes, you know, 60, 70 yards for a touchdown and was pulling away from people. I mean, he he uh, he he's not going to be a guy that you, you know, look to make design run for all the time at the SEC level and stuff like that. But at 6'4", 215, Arch Manning can uh, – he can, he can run. I, I don't know if that, that pro style is uh, – Totally, uh, you know, he's not going to be confused with a dual threat, but he's more than just a a statue there in the pocket. He can move. Right, and I saw a tweet today. I I forget where we're from, but he plays basketball for his Nord Newman, too. And how many times have we heard coaches love those multi-sport guys and just it develops athleticism and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, how often have we talked about it with Stetson this year? You don't have to be, you know, a, a Lamar Jackson or whatever running for 120 yards a game, but extending plays, moving in the pocket, making throws on the run. That is, is what's so critical. And, and 
modern football, pro and NFL, and or pro NFL, college and NFL. Um, and Arch Manning has that. He has the capability to move when he needs to. Like you said, he's not going to be, you know, getting 15, 20 carries a game probably in college, but he has it in his bag when he needs it. And that's something that's, you know, really separates him from these other guys, along with obviously the arm talent, the poise and all the other stuff that, you know, he's, he's not just a last name basically is what I'm trying to say. I mean, he's got everything you want in a, in a high school quarterback. Yeah. So I think the, the other candidates, as you can see right here, uh, Malachi Nelson, of course, tremendous player in, in his own right. He is uh, committed to Lincoln Riley. He was committed uh, to Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma has since uh, flipped his commitment to USC, a Los Angeles uh, or, or California, Southern California guy um, anyways. So that kind of worked out for him to kind of stay home. Um, Dante Moore, a good, solid quarterback. I'm not sure about the competition he plays uh, there in in Detroit. It'd be interesting, but a guy that I think people need to look at if Georgia, and I think he may be severely underrated, uh, Nico, and I'm going to butcher his last name here, but I think it's uh, I'm a, I'm a Leva, uh, Nico Amaliva. He's from Downey, California. Todd Munkin has spent time out in California going to see him play. Uh, this season and it is um, quite possible that if Arch Manning uh, if something happens and Georgia's not able to pull in Arch Manning Nico is the the next guy up in in this in this class the guy that they're very interested in they're interested in Marcel Reed too but I think Nico would be that second guy that Georgia would look at there yeah yeah absolutely I mean as a guy that like you said anytime a, a guy of Todd Munkin's you know caliber offensive mind is going to see you play especially a guy that's across the country that shows that georgia is 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 interested in him um going forward so like i said arch manning is obviously the big fish um but if he ends up at you know Ole miss texas you know, wherever you know. LSU, you know jackson state whatever um nico um nico i believe is, is definitely next guy up and he's and, and Nico's a guy too that you know that that moniker of, of pro style is not the traditional you know pro style guy. Nico can Nico can run. He's six six two oh five. He's he's kind of got that wiry frame, but he's he's tall. He gets a lot of leverage on his throws, and I mean it when it comes out of his hand, uh, just with that the long arm and the, and the uh, like I said the the leverage when he when he lets it go, it really just just rockets out of his hand. I mean, he's got a, he's got a strong arm. That would be a guy that Georgia would be highly interested in there. So, uh I think I do think the answer that Archman is the best QB in 2023, but it's not like he's just far and away if you don't get him there there's no other elite quarterbacks in the class. I think a guy like a uh uh a Nico I'm I I'm not even going to pronounce Nico. his Nico I is going to be be up there, but there's also other guys that are starting to to climb up the board uh, over there, and and guys even like Marcel Reed, who's rated as a three star right now. But I'm telling you, I watch Marcel Reed's film, uh, and he plays for Montgomery Bell up in uh, Academy up in Nashville. I think he is a tremendous prospect. He was at a, a Georgia game earlier this year, so uh, very very interesting uh, quarterback targets in the class of 2023. Strict Dolls 7, what message does having your top three receivers and only 20-plus catches send to recruits? Do any 2023 recruits want to come play with our current quarterbacks? Well, 
Uh, I haven't come out and said, hey, what are your feelings on Stetson Bennett or what are your feelings on uh, JT Daniels or, or, you know, Brock Vandergriff, Carson Beck, Gunnar Stott, and any of the like. I just mainly, Jed, when I talk to him, I ask him about what is your – how much does offensive style uh, matter to you? What's your thoughts on, you know, being a wide receiver in a pro system, things like that? Um, that's what I tend to ask him. What, what are some of the responses when you talk to – wide receivers especially younger guys uh, about the offensive fit and things of that nature yeah I mean especially because especially when we're talking about 23 and 24 guys at this point you know they're not going to be playing with any of Georgia's I mean they could be playing with Brock Vandergriff and obviously Gunnar Stockton like they're not going to be playing with with Stetson Bennett and, <laughs> but and to be Jason honest Bennett. none of these guys are guaranteed because of the transfer yeah. portal now so who knows it really doesn't and obviously coaches aren't you know guaranteed I mean Todd Munkin could go to he could go to Jackson State tomorrow for all I know. But, you know, that's exactly like you said. That's what I tend to ask him is about the offense and what they see. And generally, I mean, the responses from these guys, talking to them, they seem pretty positive. But I'm playing, wouldn't you agree? When you talk to receivers, hey, we see Georgia trying to throw more, trying to be more explosive. So recruits, they're noticing the effort. Um, it's just they, they got to land these top guys, right? I mean, it's, it's you know, it's all good and great to say, hey, I like the offense. Georgia's offense is cool all that kind of stuff. And I'm sure Luther Burden liked what he saw from Shorter's offense at points, you know, but you gotta, you gotta close the deal and you, yeah. you gotta end up landing these guys. I think that's the last missing. And you know, it could be one of those things too, where, you know, we keep talking about Shorter's not getting these guys. Shorter's not getting these guys. If Georgia lands one, you know, say they get Brandon Ennis in the 23 cycle, just just say that could open the floodgates. And all of a sudden Georgia starts, if he comes here and ends up being a first round traffic, that could end up, opening the floodgates for guys in the classes to follow. So I don't know. I think the whole, we don't want like recruits don't care if, I mean, they care who their quarterback is, but recruits aren't thinking, Oh man, Jordan's quarterback Stetson, like Stetson Bennett's old enough to be some of these kids dad, right? Like <laughs> they're not, it's, they're not, it's not, it's not guaranteed with a, a lot of these, a lot of these yeah. guys, but it's not, it's also not a strong deterrent. Uh, I would think for the 2023 class with Georgia being a more, pro style and balanced offense because you can see some of the and and people are gonna uh, laugh about this but in the 2023 class Pierce Sperlin is a guy who is six foot six 230 pounds he's listed as a tight end Jed but that is not a normal tight end this nope. is a guy who had over 300 yards receiving in a single game this year and five touchdowns in that game uh, that was a, he is a dynamic playmaker uh, that will be paired at least for one season with Brock Bowers and Oscar Delp in that tight end room. And he's going to be a guy at 6'6", 230 that can legit split out and play the X position. I mean, he, he's that kind of route runner. He's that kind of has the ability to go up and get the ball. So Pierce Sperlin and, and people don't have to worry about losing him in this class because uh, I was texting the uh, 2023 class uh, commits the other day, you know, getting their reaction to the 2022 signing and them only being a year away and things like that. And Pierce Burden said, I was born a dog, I'll die a dog, and he can't wait to play for Georgia. So uh, he's a guy who's locked in. Raymond Cottrell and Dequavia Sari are also four-star wide receivers that are already committed to Georgia. So they have three pass catchers already committed in the class of 2023, all four stars. Um and I think all guys, Raymond Contrell and Pierce Sperlin in particular, have a chance to 
climb up the rankings as their senior year goes on. Raymond Cottrell is a guy who was committed to Florida, uh, Jed. And, you know, Florida a, has a, a – I don't know what it's going to look like under Billy Napier, probably a, a little bit more uh, balanced run-style offense than it was under Dan Mullen the last couple of years. But Raymond Cottrell is a guy who, you know, he was committed to Florida partly because of that style that Dan Mullen – plays and now he's coming uh to to georgia uh to be part of, of more of a traditional um balanced style of offense so obviously it's not the determining factor for a lot of these guys yeah that 23 class for sure is off to a good start with those three guys you just mentioned i mean if pierce was listed as a receiver i mean if he if he showed up at the underclassman challenge or whatever with receivers none of us would have would have would have would have batted an eye um but yeah they're off to that good start i think what's miss not necessarily missing but like getting that huge bona fide number one guy you know landing a brandon ennis you know darius redmond has georgia in um his top four i think it's five i believe he released yesterday or day before um getting one of those bona fide just studs that walks in and, and is a baller from day one um which you know could be i mean could be end up being control and sorry or, or pierce um, but I think they're off to a good start. It's just getting that one transcendent guy in some of these classes, I think, is what's um, – because you look at all those guys in this 2022 class. Andre Green, no. Luther Burden, no. Um, Josh, Shaz Preston, no. Um, I mean, so many guys that Georgia was in it for with, in this class that all, you know, for one reason or another, ended up going elsewhere. Yeah, and I think, you know, you're going to see Georgia – like I said, hit the transfer portal hard, like after a true dynamic prospect. I'm not sure there's one totally out there yet, but I mean, everybody's already saying it's a slam dunk that uh, if, if Kayshawn Boutte goes into the portal, that he would end up at Alabama and who knows, he may end up at Alabama, but I guarantee you his phone's going to be ringing with a Athens area code. Uh, mm-hmm. If, if he does enter that portal, because a dynamic guy like that. It's not like Georgia is not going to try to go out and get them, Jed. It's just, a, like you said, a matter of of closing the deal. And I think this next question may lead into one reason that I agree more than anything is it says uh, in those games where we started running out the clock in the third quarter, uh, why don't we give our receivers some work? Those games hurt our receiver recruiting and we're born to watch the second half. I do think style of play with how Georgia has won games could be, you know, it is, you know, it's not the determining factor, but I'm sure kids are taking notice uh, looking at, at things like that. You know, if you're a running back, it looks great. If you're an offensive lineman, it looks great. Uh, quarterback and wide receiver, you may, you know, it may be a little bit lackluster to you. But uh, like I said, not maybe the determining factor, but I do think it probably has something to do with it. Georgia's been so dominant and they hadn't had to throw the ball in a lot of games this year. Yeah, but I mean, it's, you mentioned, it seems like, once Georgia gets up, you know, 20 points, they they turtle up and they run the ball first and second down and throw if it's longer than third and six. And if you're a receiver, you're thinking, man, okay, you know, in these games, I'm going to play for a half. So that's, what, 35, 40 plays, whatever. And I that's X amount of targets. I mean, the math doesn't look great for these guys to be putting up huge numbers, which I think could be where the explosive stuff comes into play, right? If you're catching fewer balls, but they're bigger passes, like you can get numbers that way. I don't know. Like it's – it's like I said earlier, it's it's a different thing for every kid, I think. And we can go round and round in circles all day trying to figure out why they're not getting this kid or that kid or whatever. But um, I think, A, it comes down to each kid. 
depending on which factor is, whether or not wanting to block or whatever it be, I think it's something that's going to be evaluated all offseason. Is, is Kirby and staff saying, hey, do we need to change our overall pitch? Do we need to sell this more, this more? Do we need to change how we try to close? I mean, there's so many things that are going to go into this. Um, they're going to be evaluated to try to land those big guys, What, like you said, playing either in the transfer portal or um, you know, that big guy in the 23 class. Absolutely. And then uh, Scuffletown Dog, one of our – mainstays here one of our favorites is uh who do we lead for in your opinion in the class of 2023 and he's talking about non-committed guys uh he says merry christmas happy hanukkah and happy kwanzaa what a great country we live in through the eyes of a 70 year old vietnam vet and believer well scuffle town we appreciate uh your service and an amen to the last part there so we appreciate everything but uh you know Jed, who do you think that Georgia leads for non-committed in the class of 2023? Uh, I know a couple of names that that right off the bat that I think of is I think, you know, when I say leads, they're right up there with guys like uh, Justice Haynes, who's a, a legacy, of course, Madden Sanker, who's an in-state offensive lineman that, that has been to Georgia several times. Um, any other guys that kind of just pop off as guys that you think Georgia is either the absolute leader for or right up there in the maybe tied for leadership? Yeah, LT Overton is that guy, um, you know, was the number one player in the class. I think he's number seven or eight, somewhere in that range now, one of the top defensive ends. Um, Georgia's right there with Texas A&M. It's neck and neck at this point. Um Jonel Aguero. Jonel Aguero, uh, yeah, the, the, the safety uh, Aguero. Right. Yeah, uh, Jonel is a guy that, uh, honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if he's in the, the class at some point sooner rather than than later with Jonel. Absolutely. And he's another one of those guys, safety maybe, star maybe. I think you know the staff can, can move him all over the defensive backfield. Um, let's think. Raul, Raul Aguirre, Raul Aguirre another guy. He, he's a guy that uh, I don't know how much, you know, he's he's got some ties down to the Miami area, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I'm not sure how much Mario Cristobal uh, really affects his his progress. I'm sure he's going to be kind of keeping one eye on that situation over there, Jed, just to see, you know, hey, is the U going to be back and things like mm-hmm. that. But um, when it comes to uh, Raul Aguirre, I think that that's one you got to look for. Um, Kevin yeah, he's he's a big big guy. Kevin Call is a edge uh, edge rusher, uh, defensive end type out of uh, Apopka, um, Apopka, uh, Florida, and that's is it's from the same school that Jalen Carter is from, and uh, you know really had a really good relationship with Dan Lanning. So it'll be interesting to see you know who kind of picks up the slack in that recruitment. Um, he's been, you know, he's got offers from other SEC schools. So I think that's one to keep an eye on. And then I think there's two tight ends that could join uh, Pierce Spur in this class. Is it going to be who's going to kind of grab the brass ring, you know, first, so to speak? Is it going to be Lawson Lucky or is it going to be Neo Avery? Uh, at one point, we thought Neo Avery, literally, we had the the edit, we had the, the story <laughs> ready to go. Mm hmm. He'd even said that he was going to end up committing to the University of Georgia. Told told us we had quotes, we had everything. Then he gets home and uh, reconsiders a little bit after a visit down here. So um, it'll be interesting to see where Neo Avery ends up. A uh, athlete, really plays quarterback at, uh, out of uh, Our Lady Good Counsel High School in in uh, Maryland. But he had a teammate uh, as a walk on 
uh, commit to Georgia, I think, in, in his in his same class, Jed, we because we saw that hit on Twitter and we're like, who is this kid? We've never heard of, oh, okay, it's preferred walk-on. So yeah, uh, one, one of those deals. Um, any other guys that you can think of that Georgia kind of leads for right off the bat, off the off the top of your head, or or is going to be obviously you got to look at all these legacies, right? Justice mm-hmm. Haynes, Lawson Lucky, uh, Justin Bennett, uh, Justin Benton, um, a lot of guys that Kirby played with, you know, that uh, there a lot of guys that he played with or they played right after Kirby did that are starting to have. Uh, high school age kids come about and that that could help uh, with Georgia, you know, with the relationship there. Absolutely. Um, Geez, man, there's a corner. Uh, I feel like there's a corner and I'm totally Tony Mitchell. Tony, yes, uh, Tony Mitchell. Thank you. Yes. Tony, Tony, Tony Mitchell is a five star, the number two uh, corner in the country. I think it's uh, Georgia. Honestly, I think Georgia and Alabama are in a dog fight right now for him. Now, Auburn has been doing some good things. Like I said, they've been able to put what Roger McCrary has been able to do on tape. And, you know, he's going to be a first run NFL draft pick probably in this upcoming draft in April. So they can push there with him being a in-state guy. But he's out of that uh, cup, you know, that powerhouse program, Thompson High School over there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where Tony Mitchell ends up. Uh, also another guy that, uh, in terms of the running back position, five-star Reuben Owens, uh, mm-hmm. Reuben Owens out of El, El Campo, Texas. Um, it's going to be just, George is going to take two running backs in that class, but it's kind of three guys for two spots. Okay. Richard Young, Reuben Owens, and Justice Haynes. Those are the three guys that they're attacking in that class. So a lot of interesting, uh, ones there, but those are some guys that you should feel good about and kind of keep your eye on in the class of 2023. Jed, uh, here we go. You talked to him today. Tell him what, what the deal with this one is. Yeah, I talked to Kristen Miller earlier. Um, he, he gave me a line when he, when he picked up the phone like he was a, a company or something. So uh, that, was, <laughs> that, was, that was funny. He's always a character to the last, Kristen Miller. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's not, he did not sign. That We had kind of thought that going into the early signing period that he was going to be signing um, – an NLI and then, and then announcing later um, it's Georgia and Ohio state. I think, I mean, Oregon, maybe we'll, I'm sure we'll give him a call with Dan Lanning. Um, USC has always kind of been there. Alabama got in late, but I really think it's in a Georgia and Ohio state battle. And it's gonna, it's going to be a dogfight. I mean, quite honestly, Georgia has kind of always been there. And so has Ohio state, he, I, we've all kind of thought Georgia's led. Um, for for a while, but you know we thought that with Kamari Wilson too. And, and we're, I was about to say we're going to start calling this the Wilson lesson, right? So yeah. uh, if a Wilson. guy if a guy has been uh, supposedly one hundred percent, you know, committed, even rumored to be the silent commit, Jed, I have learned mm-hmm. to hate that term because it, mm-hmm. a silent commitment means absolutely nothing. It, it it is it is worthless. I don't I don't even like using. I'm going to even stop using that term. Uh, you know, if if we ever hear on the on the vault or something like that, because it means nothing. There's no point in passing it on because even if somebody you hear that, it means absolutely nothing because literally um, you go from us hearing at at 145 that uh, Kamari Wilson has called the 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 staff at, at Georgia things like that and said, you know, hey, I'm coming to Athens, and then at 215. Not coming to Athens. I'm going going to going to Gainesville, Florida. So uh, it it is a it is that much of a, a you know volatile situation when it comes to those silent commits. And who knows, Kristen Miller could uh, be playing everybody in the world right now and say uh, that that he knows he's coming to Athens. He's just uh, like I said, this is a young man who has 
a little bit of entrepreneurship about him, right? He's building a brand on his YouTube channel, doing a lot of things, um, you know, always is, is never shies away from the spotlight, right? So uh, Christian Miller, you know, having this opportunity to be one of the last ones in the class of 2022, you know, that's kind of right up the, his, he's not going to shy away from that spotlight is what I'm not going to shy away from creating drama here down the street. We're not creating drama, but, but kind of enjoying the spotlight. Some some suspense, some intrigue around his recruitment. At this point, I would still say that Georgia is in a great position with him because of the, the relationship with Trey Scott, the relationship with Michael Williams, who's literally like as close he told me he told me verbatim that Michael was like a brother to him. That he's you know a, a true blood brother to him is what he what he equates Michael to. They talk every single day about a lot of stuff. Got uh, you know Alu Bob recruiting him on social media. All these twenty twenty. Yeah, a lot of lot really. of those guys. So um, it's gonna be. It's going to be something that Georgia's not giving up on, but also Ohio State's not giving up either with Ryan Day already done his in-home visit. But it is worth noting that Kirby Smart has his in-home visit still to do with Kristen Miller. And if he is not announcing until signing day in February, I'd look for uh, Kirby Smart whenever the the contact period opens back up for him to do in-home visits again to be in the home of Kristen Miller there, uh, you know, around Cedar Grove, Cedar Grove High School. So he'll he'll be there on a visit with him because he is a, a guy that, that Georgia desperately wants to uh, have in this class. All right, got a few more that we're going to knock out here. We're going to do a rapid fire. Uh, we've already kind of touched on that one, Roxy, with some of the guys in 2023, so we'll move on. Uh, Jed, Drew Yang, 96, has a question. Yeah, in case y'all hadn't heard, Travis Hunter committed to a little school called Jackson State, Mississippi last week. So Drew wants to know, do y'all believe Dion when he says there was no NIL deal to get Travis Hunter? He said Barstool money was not involved. What do y'all think? Yeah, that's absolutely false. Barstool was 100% <laughs> involved. Uh, Dion, Dion just wants to uh, make, very, make much of the perception of Jackson State being able to flip a, a Florida State target ain't even a guy that georgia and alabama and everybody else wanted to have everybody in the country wanted to have in travis hunter uh and rightfully so he should revel in that moment that's a huge accomplishment but acting like the the revelation of nil money and the ability to um compensate a young man handsomely through partnerships with a company that he also works for uh barstool sports is an absolute you know just falsehood uh in, in its own right there, there there's a middle ground there right Dion probably did a great job recruiting the young man but also uh it was a lucrative offer that you know whether whether the number of 1.5 million is 100 accurate or not jed if it's even remotely close to that number it's some it's an offer that travis hunter could not refuse yeah i mean let's get one thing out of the way good for travis hunter for for, for making his money because that's something that has been an NCAA. I mean, I'm not going to go on this whole, you know, Jay Billis, Kirk Herbstreet diatribe about the evils of the NCAA, but good for him for making money on his name, image, likeness, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he, he posted on his thing on Instagram after he committed that he wants to, you know, pave a path for other athletes to go to HBCUs and all that kind of stuff. Some We've kind of seen a basketball the past couple of years as well. Um, and I'm sure that's part of his decision. But to act like, you know, the, the the NIL had to play some part in this. I mean, let's let's be real. Was it 
forty percent of why he chose to go? Was it sixty percent? Was it one point five million percent? Why he chose to go? I don't know. I talked um, to I talked to a uh, a a trainer uh, that is very involved with a lot of these high profile recruitments, Jed, and he said the same thing. You know, talk about how great it is for HBCUs and things like that. This this man is African American himself, and he he uh, came out and said to me, he said, but Let's be honest. He said. He said if Idaho came at him with 1.5 million, he's going to be in Idaho. <laughs> like that. That's how. Yeah. That's how. That's how it goes. I mean, but the thing is, I don't think this is going to create an all-out, you know, tipping of the scales where guys are consistently going that route because there's not enough funds to go around to, you know, handsomely pay that many guys. You may get four or five a year with similar deals or, or deals that are, uh, you know much more significant than the guys could have gotten at a power five school due to the, the number of the, the sheer numbers that have to be brought in. But I don't think it's going to be uh, just changing the entire landscaping of uh, landscape of recruiting. All right. Next question, Jed. Yeah. From cannibal. Did we ever have a secret signer on Thursday or Friday last week? As you mentioned at one point. Yeah, I think that I think someone did. And I, I can't uh, I've been been told that that they did. Georgia got one of their targets there. Uh, we'll kind of leave it at that. But also uh, someone that is not even on the radar. And I can promise you that not even on the radar. There there are rumblings that that uh, there's there's a significant development that could be taking place um, within the state of Georgia that would uh, dr- dramatically change the class of 2022. So we'll be able to give out more information on that when we, uh, you know, when we can over on the vault, uh, don't want to betray confidences of, uh, of sources or young men until, uh, it's, uh, safe to do so. So that's what, uh, we'll, that's what we'll continue. Me. I signed, I'm going to, I signed to be Georgia's quarterback. Yeah, Jed, Jed is now going to be in the Georgia quarterback room. So that's <laughs> I'm six foot gonna... three and I played quarterback when I was seven years old. So hey, that's it. That's <laughs> it. He's going to sling the rock for, for Georgia. Uh, Dave Smith, do you think Ringo would be better su- uh, suited to play safety? This is a question you probably need to ask Jim Donnan tomorrow <laughs> uh, in, in that, in that show with, uh, with Roddy and Jim and Dane. Um, here, here's my thing, Jed. Keely Ringo was graded out as one of the best corners in college football all up until that that Alabama game. And it's not like Keely Ringo can't run. He's a true 4-3-40 guy. Uh, hits close to 21 miles per hour on the GPS when they when they run. I mean, he he can really, really run. It just so happened that maybe one of the few players truly faster than him in college football was the guy that he was guarding and when he was guarding him, he never got his hands on him. He was a, he gave him a free release and let him able just. I told I told my dad, you know, he he was talking to me about the game and stuff. I said, Dad, it's like an airplane. You know, once it gets on the runway and gets going, it's you know you could you could run something out in front of it. It's not gonna it's not gonna mm-hmm. stop it. I mean, it, you have to get your hands on a guy like that early. So I don't think that people should be overreacting too much about Keely Ringo's ability to play corner. No, no, I mean that's from everything you're saying right there, I mean, that sounds like a technique, you know, issue or whatever, more so than a talent issue. And, you know, if, if Keely Ringo had come in and the staff had put him at safety from day one, I'm sure he probably would have been a pretty good safety, but it's, it's like you said, he's been fantastic. Cause Georgia, let's be honest. I mean, Darian Kendrick has, has been solid on the one side. I mean, the, the corner, remember back at the beginning of the season coming into camp, 
that was the huge concern on this defense was the secondary. Who's gonna who are gonna be these outside corners? Um, with all those guys that left, and you bring in Darian Kendrick to to um to 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 settle down that one side. And remember, it's I mean, it was Amir Speed and Keely Ringo at the beginning, and then Keely Ringo has taken that job and run with it um yeah. all year. And he, I mean, he's you can't really ask for for much more of him than what he's done this year. Absolutely. Uh, and it's been down there the whole time on the show, but I did want to, uh, you know, tell everybody that this show is presented by Dead Soxy and you can get a 25% off, uh, you know, promo there with the code UGA Sports. So make sure you can go go there to deadsoxy.com and check that out. And our last question here of the evening from Big Dog, or it's kind of a statement and then getting our reactions. He says he believes that if Georgia uh, wins the championship, that they can continue. Uh, retaining a very strong recruiting base at Georgia. However, if they don't in the next two to three years, it will greatly reduce the ability to do so. Thoughts? Jed, I'm just going to come out and tell you that you will never, as long as Kirby Smart is the head coach at Georgia, you will never have to worry about recruiting. It's not, it's not, oh, so you're telling me, you tell uh, people, hey, we we play for the SEC championship and or in the college football playoff consistently and it just so happens that the one team that has been the scourge of the kirby smart area era just happens to be the literal greatest dynasty of all time in the in the alabama crimson tide plus you know only 85 guys can be on scholarship over there at alabama it's not like everybody can go to alabama so uh, i think georgia's recruiting will continue to stay just fine yeah and i remember talking about this i don't know if it was last week week before but if you're getting so close and not getting over the hunt, you can obviously there's other things they pitch these kids on, but you can sell a Jaheim Singletary or a you know Branson Robinson, whoever. Hey, come to Athens and be the missing piece we need. You know, be the shutdown corner, be the you know, lockdown left tackle, whatever. Um, that's something you can sell these kids on, just as much as you can sell Lewis Seen and Nolan Smith on coming back for unfinished business. Um, so yeah, I don't think I mean look, Georgia doesn't ever wear black jerseys either. And they and they use them in in recruiting, right? So, you know, it's it's. Um, I don't think winning a national championship is is going to 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 kill recruiting if it doesn't get done in the next few years. Like you said, with Kirby Smart in in town, it's recruiting is going to be solid for as long as he's here. And people, it just seems to boggle my mind. People don't realize that Georgia is literally about to take the step of playing for a national championship like they they are one game away for playing for the uh the second opportunity in kirby smart's um you know coaching tenure here at georgia the second chance uh to win a national championship and that's you know in a six-year uh time span so it's a matter of time uh i tell everybody you know nick saban uh can't can't live or coach forever you know he's either going to retire or die at some point one of the two uh and you know it uh, i'm not saying that georgia can't beat uh nick saban or can't get over the hump but people need to realize this is a battle that literally everyone in the country if they were in the sec they would run into that brick wall as well uh texas a&m beating uh alabama in my opinion, it was a very fluky thing because Zach Calzada had an out, outer body experience. I mean, he he was playing, you know, he was playing uh, unbelie- unbelievably well in that game and had not 
it did not match up with the rest of his performance for the year. And sometimes that's what it takes, right? To, to be able to, you see upsets all the time in that matter, pro sports, college sports, the like, where people just play outside their mind. But I don't think you got to worry about recruiting. I don't think you have to worry about this Georgia football program as a whole, uh, because I think they're going to um, absolutely continue to perform at a high level as long as Kirby Smart's there. And I'm sure there's a, lengthy contract extension extension that is about to be uh, pushed his way with probably a hundred million dollars attached to it, Jed. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things. And the thing is, you know, we've talked about, I might've talked about this before Kirby smart. I don't see him ever leaving for an NFL job. And why, if you're him, why would you leave for another college when you're at the school? It's your home state. It's your alma mater. Um, I don't ever really see him leaving for another college job. And I feel like, He's going to keep this train rolling. Um, it's only, like you said, it's only a matter of time when you keep stacking these classes. And look, could overall, you know, could the wide receiver recruiting be better? Yeah. You know, could he handle quarterback situations better or maybe whatever? But like, and the thing too, he's only been a head coach, period. I mean, this is his. He's what, 45 years old? He's 45. Yeah. He's in his mid mid to late 40. He's somewhere between 45 and 47 years old. I don't know exactly what his age is, but people need to realize that I think Nick Saban didn't win his first title till he was 10 years older than uh yeah, the, right. than 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 uh, Kirby Smart was. So he's he's a, a prodigy, you know, in the coaching world, so to speak. Uh, he's done a lot, you know, to be in only in his mid 40s and. Uh, a relentless recruiter. Nobody's perfect, um, but you know he's gonna he's gonna continue. And and trust me, nobody wants to win a national championship for the University of Georgia more than Kirby Smart. And I think that's even more doubled now, Jed, when you have Will Muschamp coming in as a defensive coordinator. Right. And the, the thing I was gonna mention about Kirby, he had not only is he good at recruiting, and but he has the passion for it. That I think, I mean, we, I mean, look what happened to Dan Mullen. That all this stuff that came out about Dan Mullen isn't that relentless recruiter, and he and he got canned. And I think Kirby Smart, you know, that 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 passion for recruiting isn't something you can grow into or something you can develop. You know, you, it's not something you learn with time as a coach. You've either got yeah. it or you don't. And Kirby Smart's got it, and that's the type of thing that it doesn't really go anywhere. And that's a big key for keeping these, you know, top three, five to whatever recruiting classes going year after year. Dan Mullen just got tired of going into people's homes and saying, listen, when my wife kisses your son, <laughs> when he gets off the bus, there's nothing, nothing to that. She's just an affectionate person. Okay. That's, that's how that goes. He, he got tired of that kind of conversation and recruiting didn't want to keep doing that over and over. But uh, on that note, that is all for us here on rumors versus facts guys. Um, I am Blaine Gilmer here with Jed May and you know, we're recruiting never stops and we'll always continue covering it. Uh, check out Jim Donnan and Roddy Nabolsi and Dan Young tomorrow at noon, I believe on here on this channel. So subscribe, turn on notifications and we will catch you next time on Georgia recruiting rumors versus facts here on UGA sports.